What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a great weekend or a great week, whatever time you're listening to this. Um, before we start the podcast, please hit subscribe. Please give us a review whenever you finish listening. Um, it just keeps the podcast going, and I do really, really appreciate it. Um, we're getting a lot of really good feedback from the podcast. Um, so just thank you so much for listening. It just means the world to me. Um, I started this podcast a couple years ago now. It seems to be growing and growing, and it's, I just love doing them. So thank you for all the support. It really, really means the world. Anyway, podcast time, and this week is the one and only Bontan. Uh, Bontan came out with a remix of Josh Butler called You Got a Feeling, and it blew up massively um, in the UK and Europe. Back, uh, I don't fully know the dates we talk about this, in the podcast so i'll leave that story for you guys but over the years i've become close with bontan i love his music he's an insane producer insane dj and also one of the nicest guys in the industry um i wanted to get him on asked him and he was down so i'm gonna let you guys listen to this one it's a long one it's an hour and 50 minutes but there's some absolute gems in there and i just hope you enjoy it as much as i enjoyed it so without further ado one only bontan Mr. Bontan, we got your internet working. Yep. What's cooking? <laughs> Finally got it working. That was hard work, wasn't Mate, it? How much do you feel like an old man when you just can't work out technology now? Do you know, do you know what's funny? The go-to thing is just turn it on and off again. <laughs> That's exactly what my dad would say. And that's literally what we just did. Oh, it's oh, awful. We're, we're literally turning into our parents. <laughs> Slowly but surely, yeah, we are. Literally ran to the router, switch off quick. No, but we're watching my kids watching Charlie Tubbies in the other room. So it's like, no, we can't Charlie Tubbies on. <laughs> so good. How are you, man? Anyway, yeah, good, fresh, feel good. I've not, uh, I've had a couple of weeks off because um, second baby's due like in the next couple of days, few days. So, Damn. um, just gonna stay at home and just, um, yeah, wait, wait, wait till we've got to go to the hospital, basically. Yeah, so when this podcast comes out, you're gonna have a new baby. <laughs> Pretty much guaranteed. Congrats. How's uh how's dad it is, life? Man. It's 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 tough and it's the best thing ever. Mm. Um it's it's fun. Like it's like eighty five percent fun. Yeah. The rest is stress and anxiety, <laughs> trying to keep something alive. And then the, the other bit of it is like just being away on the road is tough because you just on FaceTime for twice a day and yeah. then that's it. it. Sucks. But then uh, it's good when you get home and then he doesn't forget who you are. That's always nice. Yeah, I guess so. Do you change your touring schedule or have you like just stayed the same where you're just like nonstop? It... Just tried to keep it. I mean, I'm not doing any shows in December up until mm. the end. Um, I'm going to have like five, 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 five weeks just at home. Just that's it. And then I'm mm. going to do um warehouse project and then um, London at the end of the year. Yeah. And then back on tour in America in January. Sick. Um, so it's just trying to find the balance. I, I'm not doing as much as I used to in terms of, say, you've got like five down days in in America. Yeah, I try not to stay there for them or try and come home. Whereas that three years ago, I'd just stay in LA for five days or something and just run around LA being an yeah. idiot. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas now I'm just like, I'm gonna if I can get home for five days and going straight home. Do you know what I mean? I think that's the thing, isn't it? I, a lot of <clears> like I was talking to Eli Brown about it, and obviously he's got kids as well, and he does exactly the same now is like you fly to America for the weekend and then fly back. And then even if you have to go home for the next week, go back to America for yeah. the next weekend, it's like, what you got to do? 
Like, just got to play. Mate, I, I did it in... in a... Because I knew I was having this time off in October. I literally went, flew to Australia for um, two weeks, came home and then went straight to America, back yeah. and then back again and then back. And I was just like, got home and like at the start of November and I was just like, I need this break. <laughs> I was absolutely, I didn't have a, didn't have a body, you've, done it, you've probably done it yourself a million times. You just don't have a body clock in there. Yeah. You're just like kind of just in autopilot, just waking up whenever your alarm goes off in a hotel. And I think just, also let's you've, go. you've got a little one as well. So it's like mm. all all priorities go out the window for you. It just get, turns into the little one. And then... Exactly, yeah. Like you you can't be selfish when you've got a little one at all. This is this is what I realised is how selfish I used to be. Yeah. It literally was like whatever. Like I was... my Me being priorities is completely gone now. Mm. I don't... It doesn't bother as long as I can... Actually, I'm grateful enough to be able to work and tour. Yeah. Like, for the sole reason as I can provide my kids now, that's literally, it's gone from me being able to be like, like what's on the hit list for the next gig? <laughs> I, I'm working a play, which is like my favorite, like, right yeah. off the checklist of like bucket list gigs. Now it's like, right, I have to get, get do this gig, provide for the kids and go. <laughs> that's it's, what it's become. It's really nice, realistically. Like, it scares the shit out of me, if I'm honest with you, coming from yeah, somebody that's like single and doesn't yeah. have a, doesn't have kids. Um, yeah. but I think it's so nice to hear as well is like how uh, it, it seems to be coming up a lot on the podcast, how artists, well, we're all getting older, right. And we're all get, going mm-hmm. through that stage of kids are getting involved in our lives. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not like, like for me, it's, I don't have kids, but I have like five niece and nephews and yeah. it's like, you kind of see the priorities change in your life where you you start as an artist trying to become the biggest artist in the world and take over the world yeah and then these little fuckers come involved and it's like <laughs> i gotta do i gotta do everything for them now yeah it's yeah you're trying to be the next big artist no you're trying to be the next greatest dad that's it now Literally. That's, that's the goal how, how did even, the... even with um even with nieces and nephews it was i had one niece and it was like i was treating her like Oh, I'm like my little best mate. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like so even f- going from a niece to a parent. The good thing about having like nieces and nephews, you can give them back when you 100%. when you you just like I'm done with that now. Whereas this one, you can't. <laughs> the minute they start crying, it's like you can have them out. back. I'm out. Yeah. out. It's different now. When they start crying, they look for you, and you're like, yeah. What 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 do I do? <laughs> You just gotta learn on the. That's what I did. I just learned on the fly. The, the, what I've learned, the way this thing is, I catch myself speaking in like kid voice to a kid. <laughs> I'm that dad now that's like doing out voices and <laughs> trying to be like the jester in the house on the hands and knees, pretending to be a lion and stuff. Oh. And I'm like, oh, I've got a deadline to finish on this remix. <laughs> Who would have thought it, man? Who would have thought I it? Know. It's, it's crazy. It's, nice it's, it's crazy how life. I I don't know about you, but when did you have your first one? So he's a nineteen months. So yeah, so during during COVID, right? Yeah, peak. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, do you think it was was kids always on the card for you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've been with. Um, he's been running for <laughs> a shot now. <laughs> you can hear. Him. Um, yeah, always, always on the cards. Yeah. Yeah. It was always because I've been with. Um, uh, with Steph for years, yeah, years and years, um, and we've been married for a long time as well. So, mm. what do you want? What are you after? 
Love it. This is my life. Love it. Um, how's Wait, two seconds, mate. no worries? Do you think, man? Sad life. What's it do? Say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how most studio sessions go as well. Is it really? Oh yeah, because yeah. he he knows what goes on in the studio. Yeah, so he'll run off and we'll run into the room and just go nuts in the studio. That's so good. Yeah, I've got him on drum machine. He's pretty sick on a drum machine already. <laughs> Do you reckon you're going to turn him into DJ? Yeah, absolutely. 100%, oh, isn't it? You know, you know what? It's like, I just want to give him options, you know? Yeah. Because when I was in school, it was like, I was probably the same for you. You've got certain career paths, certain mm. jobs, and there was no such thing as being involved in the arts, in my school anyway. Yeah. Failed music. I started DJing in school. So I got my first set of decks when I was 15. Yeah. Um, And I got ripped to yeah. fuck in school like nailed it was like oh he, he thinks he's gonna be a dj it wasn't yeah. cool to be a dj no like going to buy vinyls like hmv and stuff and like doing shit like that it's like it wasn't a cool thing to do yeah um and then all of like now it's the coolest thing to do it's the thing school is like yeah it's the thing to do so he'll probably grow up thinking this is a really cool job and i was just like it wasn't when when we were when we were growing up and we were in school, so I just, I just want to give him options. Like, obviously, it'll shift again, and when he gets to 15, 16, it'll be something else that's mm. cool or he, he wants to do. But I'm not going to try and throw him into school and be like, right, you've got to follow the no. curriculum, and you've got to because I failed school miserably, and mm. I left when I was sixteen and started DJing when I was seventeen. Yeah. So it's like it's not, you don't have to go and, and follow the rules in school. Well, I think I think it's such <laughs> I think it's such a shame where because I had that with my. Uh, in music teacher in the, in uh, school, he like was like, electronic music's not a genre, and you're not gonna have a career in music. Literally, he said that to me, and I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. Like they asked you to go back in, not yet, but they did. But he he wasn't working there. I kind of wanted him to be there. Just be yeah, like, so you just go you. and go. I didn't learn anything. Yeah, here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, why 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 do you think people do that? Where like uh, like teachers kind of just crush kids' dreams when it should be completely the opposite. I th- this is going to be a massive generalization because they course, probably yeah. had theirs crushed as well. Yeah. Like if if, if oh, this is going to sound really shitty, but it's not. This is this is coming from my pea-sized brain trying to make sense yeah. of why my teachers were just like horrible to me. Mm. It's like you've got a music teacher there who isn't involved in music. Yeah. So that must be like a painter not being able to paint or something. Do you know what I'm saying? He's like yeah. he's ha- he's not he's not performing or he's not doing what he's he's having to teach kids that 99 percent of the class don't want to learn. Yeah. And it was his passion back when he was growing up was to, to be involved in music. And he's trying to teach these kids that don't want to learn it. I'm guessing that's probably why for most you know lessons and stuff. And they're usually very good musicians. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah. When he, I caught him a few times just playing piano before the lesson starts, and I was just sat there, just like, "Yeah, this is insane." But it's just about catching a certain break at a certain time, and ninety-nine percent of the time, you, people just don't get that break. Is it about not getting the break, or is it not actually working hard enough, or just giving it enough time? Because I know you, you, you. I, I before know. you were Bontan, you were somebody else, right? You, you, you were your own own name yeah, yeah i've been i've done I've, I've made been making music since i was 15 yeah so 14. i i remember i initially met you as you were under your real name 
Yeah, yeah, which like was a long time ago. Years ago. Was it was it Amsterdam? I don't actually know if we met in person, but we were speaking online on Facebook. Like yeah, Facebook <laughs> Facebook Messenger. Yeah. <laughs> but this yeah, was like, yeah, 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 you were down as Andrew Phillips and like MSN. Yeah. And that's that's when I first started talking to you. And then Bontan was a new project and kind of kicked off pretty quickly for for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Well I didn't I don't really know what I was doing when I first started out right. making music and it yeah. was all awful as well. Yeah. So like I didn't know how to make music or how to arrange records. I went it went into it so naively and just didn't do any research about how records are made. It was kind of just like, oh just throw it which is how everyone's But YouTube that there wasn't YouTube back then. No, it was a future music magazine. Yeah, exactly. DVDs at the front. Yeah. That was it. That that was literally it. Future music magazine. And then just like meeting other people like that would had studios and you could go and sit with them for half an hour and then yeah. picking up a little dodge bought logic and then just thought, what the hell is this? Yeah. And I remember someone said to me, just treat it like a like a like a PlayStation, like yeah. an Xbox. There's no you can't there's no wrong answers. You're not going to break the thing if you make if you press the wrong button. Yeah. If you go into the audio settings and you fuck them up like we've just done, but like <laughs> no, just turn it off really and turn it. it on, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. Don't save. Turn it on and off again. Um, but there's no really wrong. That's why I went into it. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of like dipped out for a year or two just so I could just figure out what, what music I wanted to make and mm. how I wanted to sort of like progress with my sound. And then my first remix was the remix for Josh. Yeah. That was. That was like the first track I did under Bontan. And I was just like, well, shit, I'm getting paid to go and play <laughs> somewhere. And it was insane. I started like just doing like um, London, Manchester, Dublin, like Glasgow was all, I played Glasgow like six times a year. Wow. Um, only for like a few hundred quid, but I was yeah. like, that's insane for me. Getting mm. like two, three, 300 quid a gig and like being able to go to Dublin for yeah. the weekend. This is ace, man. I was like, this is, if I die now, I'm happy. How many years then, ago was that? Because... That was a fucking... I've been doing... Bon, bon 10 years next year. That's mad. Is that how long yeah. the remix is? How old the remix is? 2013. That came out, yeah. Damn. It's wild, that, innit? <laughs> I remember when it came out. I, it was yeah. It was the biggest... This is, this is what I wanted to talk to you about a lot because I think every... Not everyone, but a lot of artists, especially new artists coming up, um, uh, trying to make hit records mm-hmm. and trying to write mech records that sound like <laughs> others or just because it, it's so easy nowadays to see the um, payoff of a big record, yeah, right? Sure. Because it's social media and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ve- It's actually becoming more and more common now that people's people have a hit record as their first record or maybe like their yeah. second or third record. It's sure. still very rare though. Um, but your first record was the remix of Josh and it was the biggest record of the year, maybe of yeah. the two years, really. Yeah. Um, how, as an artist, do you deal with that? Like when it happens and then after it happens and then the years after it's happened it it didn't really blow up instantly that record Mm -hmm. it took about so we released it and then it took about two 
two or three months to get to the B4 top 10. Yeah. Which is like, you know how it is now on B4. If your track's not in there in the top 10 within four days, you know it's not getting in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and if it does, it's very rare. It, you know, it grows. Yeah. Um, and then the lifespan of a record these days is probably about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and this took about three months to get into Beatport. Well, there was only um, let's 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 kind of paint the situation to everybody that's like a bit younger in the industry. Like Beatport was the one. There was like the only one. Yeah. yeah. There was no nowhere else to. There no was Spotify. No Spotify. Yeah, no no I, app. Maybe there was iTunes then. Maybe yeah, iTunes was about yeah, but like in dance music, just it was just iTunes were just starting, but iTunes was such a mess to use yeah. ten years ago. It was a pain. Yeah, no one wanted to use iTunes, and I people who went to events and like people who were involved, like not DJs, they would buy off people as yeah. well, um, which was because it was the only place to get like dance music records. Mm. You couldn't just go and listen to Spotify, find your favorite artist, and see what they've released. And it's was- literally like. Was there YouTube? You have to go to Beatport. Was there YouTube? Was YouTube. Then? Yeah, YouTube was about yeah. What? But was people were people releasing music on YouTube then? Like I th- no, I think it was mainly like Subsoul would do. Oh the, yeah, that was it. Stuff like that, you know. It was it was more platform. There was like a handful of platforms that had decent reach, and then if you like, they still do it now. What's that one? Um, oh, I can't remember the name for life. There's a few of them now that like you. They've got. A, bunch of listeners you know good yeah. music going to be released there and people try and get their records on there instead of their own channels because it's going to get listened to more what year was this 2013 yeah yeah youtube came out in 2005 <laughs> <laughs> wow um it was youtube about in 2013 <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so, so so i guess like yeah. it, it took a while to go into the beat port but I think that's... Three months, yeah. But, and then it was like number 10, and then the week later it was like nine, eight. And I was like, so we got to Deep House number one, and it wasn't going to the overall for ages. Um, and I just said to Josh, we've got John Red number one off, like both of one of our first releases in win, mate. Let's yeah. go. And then it just kept creeping and creeping. And what were we up against? I think we were up against Martin Garrick's Animals or something like that. Wow. It was something like that. And then it just went to number one. It stayed there for months like literally months and it's like yeah. the second second highest selling track on Beatport ever i think it is is it really yeah that's wild what's the first do you know what the first is it's got to be camel i think fat. I, it's cola yeah it's cola yeah, yeah. it's got to be camel fat. cola yeah, yeah. it's cola because they were number one for, i think they're still in the house top top 100 still are they really damn yeah um so that was um but then going from i was still doing like local gig when that was out and that was number one i was still doing Local. I remember Stephen Gerrard came into while I was DJing. Stephen Gerrard came into the bar with his with his wife, and he sat at the end of the bar. And Alex came over with the DJ box, and she went, "Have you got that uh, Josh Butler remix?" And she said it to me, and I was just like the local DJ in the, in the bar, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, if only you, you knew." <laughs> <laughs> and it was, she was like, "You got that uh, that Josh Butler remix? I got a feeling." And I was just like, "Yeah, I'll play it for you if you want." She was like, "Yeah," and and I was like, "That's me, you know." And she was like, "What?" And then she just, and she was like, what? What are you on about? And I was just like, that's, and she was so loud. I had the booth monitors cranked up. And she was like, what's you? And I, and I, I must just sound like such a prick. And I was just like, yeah, don't, don't, don't worry, worry about it. I'll, pl- I'll play it. I'll play it next. And then I played it. And then Stephen Gerrard and his, his, his wife up started dancing to like the only record they danced to all night. And I was like, win. No way. For any American. But I was, like, even then, I was still just 
just DJ around bars, DJ like four times a week, just in the in a small town, and then then the local gigs. They, sorry, the Ouija bangers started to come in, like mm. the Londons, Bristol's, and then it went from like three hundred quid a gig to like, like pay five hundred come to come to Ministry of Sound, and I was yeah. like, fuck yes, yeah, I, I can take the week off doing my local gigs to go and do that one gig in London, and then yeah. got to the point where it was like a request every week. And I hated letting people down, you know, in the local bars because I just hate to let people down. Yeah. And I had to start to say to them, look, I'm going to have to give this a full go, being my full-time job. Because yeah. um, I, I always used to think to myself, how would the transition into being being like just a local DJ into like a local resident of like four residencies mm. to then touring? What's, what's it going to be? Because I, I always thought I was crap at making music. Yeah. So I always thought I was a pretty good DJ but I always thought I was pretty shit at making tunes. So yeah. when that came out, I st- even when I was playing it, I was like, oh, the mix down sounds awful. Like, I'm not happy with this. And then I saw a few DJs online playing it in Miami. And I was like, well, it must be all right if they're playing it. Yeah. And then this is nowhere to lie. Only the past sort of six months, I've been happy with my own mix downs. Really? I swear, yeah. And I've had like a few B-Port number ones now. And I'm still, even to this day, I'm just like, it's only been the past six months that I'm like, I'm actually happy with it now. Yeah. Not, not having to send it to a hundred DJs and like mix engineers and being like, can you listen to this for me? Where am yeah. I going wrong? Da, da, da. I'm like at this point now, I was like, I know sonically how everything should mm. sound. Have you but ever, it takes years. you know yourself, it takes years, it takes years to learn man. how to mix down properly. It's just, you, there's no way to learn apart from just doing, um, doing it, making shit records. Well, that's the thing. It takes years to actually learn how to make good records. Yeah. True. And, it's like there's so much luck involved in it as well because it's like yeah. oh you found a sample or you pressed a button on a keyboard or whatever yeah. it's just fucking luck like it's just like yeah you just you just just did it and it worked um but i want to go back to the original kind of what we start started talking about and how your first record turned into making your career a full-time mm-hmm. career and and kind yeah. of the like the pros and the cons and the pressures and the not pressures of of that and kind of how how you kind of worked that as th- throughout because back then so 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 now if that record came out and it did what it did it would it would probably be well it was, it was everywhere anyway but it would probably be a fast thing right so it's like yeah. let's say for instance like the new Shack record on Trick. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. it, but it's like yeah, yeah. blows the fuck up all over social media um, and you become instantly a huge kind of ticket seller in a certain market, right? Yeah. When when your remix came out, like what was the process? So it took like a few weeks to kind of get into Beatport. Beatport was what every promoter, every artist, every manager. Beatport was, every, was, was you, like, you can only, all you can do is compare it to Spotify yeah, in terms exactly. of like yeah. the numbers. You know, a few millions of streams is probably like getting overall Beatport number one. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially when it stays there as well. Yeah. So, how did that change your career? How did that move forward to like getting booked even more so? So you 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 get booked in Ministry of Sound for five hundred quid, like. Then when does it really start taking off or or was it not? Or was it something that it was just like, okay, this record's doing really well and everyone's playing it. And then I just slowly, my career slowly grows and grows and grows. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't really, I knew you back then, but I didn't know you that well. 
I just thought it was like, I just thought what I was doing was, I never thought I could tour outside of the UK. Yeah. Because it was a very much a UK sound at the time, where even though it's, I didn't realize the when I so recently if I go to like South America, yeah. people ask for that record and I'm yeah. like shit they they were into it here yeah like there was a market here do you mm. know what I mean or there was a market in America and like if I go to certain places where it's my first time there the tour videos will always be that, that one that of the, record. not always but most of the time is that record yeah and I'm like fuck people actually people actually did hear it so I thought it, this is the only places I, I could tour so at first I was like just follow it up if you can. Mm. Um, and then I released Move On Out, um, which was, I think it was, that deep, I think it was Deep House number one or two. I can't remember. That was like four months later. Yeah. So everyone's like, shit, he's going to, he's, he's, it's red hot. He's going to keep releasing these bangers. Yeah. But then for me, that sound was like, re- you know how that sound came and sort of went, the yeah. sort of Deep House sound. I instantly then stopped making it and tried to make another set and tried to move forward. Yeah. Um, even though I was getting booked around the UK for these gigs that I was known for that record for. Mm. Um, and he, progressing to the next stage of career, just going back to that point, you've got to sort of like, it's not necessarily just the music that you're releasing, you've got to back it up with the gigs as well. So if you turn mm. up and like, just clear the crowd or don't know how to read the crowd yeah. and just play, just just don't play to what people want to hear. I feel like you've got to do that when you first start out. You can't just go in there. I mean, some people can, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I could go in there and just completely express myself and play what I wanted. Totally. I was shitting myself. Like yeah. I've got to get a return book in here because I've just left all my residencies. Yeah. So I'm, I've got to make sure every single, if I got one negative comment, it would absolutely ruin me for like yeah, a week. Yeah. That's all I'd think about. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, I need to just go in there. And those proper people, please are like play to the room and make sure every single person that leaves that room has mm. had the time of their life. And then most of the time, because I DJed for a long time around bars, I could read the room pretty well. Yeah. If I needed to get off a record instantly, I, I just bite the bullet and just, just mix it, it straight away yeah. to make sure people leave happy. And then it's sort of like getting a return book in and then throw an extra couple of hundred quid on it and then move and just keep, I was battling the same markets for like two, three years. Mm. It was always Dublin. It was always uh, Scotland. Uh, the two or three London gigs, yeah. a couple of Manchester's. It was always at Bristol, uh, Nottingham as well. So I just keep going around those markets for like two, three years. And then I'd already stopped making that sound. I was trying to find like what I wanted to do next because if I, with me musically, if I don't feel like I'm moving forward, I'm, I'm going backwards. So I'm not just going to sit there and just keep making the same sound before it dies out and then switch. Yeah. I always want to be one step ahead and try and make something fresh. Um, and when was when did my first international booking come in? Like a big international. It was sort of like you go to ADE, and then I think the first one was Dubai. Because wow, the longest flight an, I'd ever done was to Amsterdam. That's an interesting first international Dubai. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Dubai. And then saying that, I didn't actually go. I got the booking and didn't go because I was. I used to be terrified of flying. Oh really? Awful. I wouldn't. I used to take three Valium just to fly to Dublin. Wow. It was awful. Yeah, so I've got the booking for Dubai. That was the first booking. I didn't go. Um, I got to the airport and just went, fuck this, and just went home. That was in 2014, 15, something yeah. like that. That was the first international. And then it was just like Amsterdam. You reach out today, you do the AD parties, yeah, and yeah. you go back to Ireland and do all them. 
and then I just sort of something switched when I released on Hot Creations in 2017. So so from 2013 to 17, I was just strictly UK. Like I literally didn't get anything else out of the UK. Yeah. And then I released on Hot Creations in 2017 and it just cracked the market for me really globally yeah because i feel like let me just figure out 17 so release a track mid 2000 so call you back came out with josh yeah. um that was uh that overall number one then as well was that on defect was that defected that was on josh's label origins okay. okay so we released that in 2017 in may and that was overall number one for that did like a month overall mm, wow and that was, I thought that was pretty good in 2017, yeah. considering how quickly records move. And then two months later, I had the Hot Creations EP. And then I had my first tour in Australia and then my first tour in America, literally the end of 2017. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I thought touring was like fun in the UK. And then it just cracked me open wide to like yeah. a, a global market. And then since then, it's just just going to new territories and the year after that I went to Tokyo and then the year after that I went I've just done pretty much everywhere now mm. it's such but an that amazing was, that was a sort of timeline for me it was because I, I thought to... like from an outsider and like not being like really tight with you until like the last few years but like I thought like Got a Feeling came out and it was like explosion yeah it kind of it, it was it, it, it definitely was but only in the UK yeah I didn't get anything outside of the UK until 2017. The UK so market's a, so weird. It's so it's so strange yeah. how like it's so insular. Like England adopted the rave, right? We kind mm-hmm. of adopted electronic music. Yeah. And just kept it there. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't people look at it so people look at like look at the UK as like almost like the home of electronic dance music in certain ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, But it doesn't, like, a record that does really well in the UK doesn't necessarily, like now, I'm talking nowadays, doesn't necessarily do really well anywhere else. Yeah, that's true. But the thing is, it was because... But it was for you back then. But even though I wasn't getting booked out of there, though. So it's it's weird because it was kind of like people love that record globally. But it's like, so this guy's had one remix and that's it. There's no back catalogue because yeah. it's my first ever thing. So it's like, are they going to take a punt on bringing me to Chile, to Santiago yeah. or to Australia? Even though it was the second biggest market, was it was in Australia. Was it really? Wow. That record, yeah, because it went on to, um, I think it got on like Abercrombie and Fitch adverts out there. <laughs> no way. Yeah, so um, I think that's the reason why it, it got huge out there. But I wasn't getting bookings out there for, yeah. because of that record. Um, so I was kind of like, I, I understand why I wasn't getting the bookings outside of the UK because yeah. people have obviously heard it, but there's nothing to like. Josh was going tour, and I was because Josh had a few records before that one, mm. and I was thinking, oh, Josh is getting booked for all these all, all these places, and I'm like, I don't understand why I'm not, but I do now because I had one. That was my only thing. Yeah, I'm going to go over there and play one record. They, they don't no trust, probably didn't yeah. trust me to go over there and. And take a gamble on me because God knows what else I was going to play in their yeah. eyes. You know what I mean? Um, so now it's like I've got a decent back catalogue and I can kind of tour in most markets. Yeah. So it's really interesting when you say like the association with Hot Creations. Obviously, during that time, Hot Creations or Hot Creations is still a huge record label now, but it's 
back then it was like on another level. Oh, one release could just explode, like yeah. blow you up on Hot Creations. And that's what it, it did for me. Yeah. I don't think if, if, if I didn't release on Hot Creations in 2017, I don't believe I'd be touring globally. Yeah. Obviously, I'd like to think I would because I've had heaps of music since then that's been mm. successful. But in terms of like figures, you can see it yourself when you look at streaming platforms. Yeah. That's that nearly as many as got a feeling. Yeah. Um, so that sort of cracked me open wide. And if you get if you got a release on Hot Creations through those sort of like 15, 16, 17, 18 sort of years, mm. you were set. You could tour off that one release for like a year. Yeah, Hot Creations was very powerful worldwide. Very Massive. powerful. I, like you said, it still is, but I think it was just a different level then. I think, I think I'd like to get your opinion on this, but like, I don't think labels have the power that they do, that, that than they did. I think that for I me, agree. for me personally, the only, only label that I, that I see that still has the power that, and I mean the power to you release a record and you're touring worldwide straight after. Mm-hmm. Even if the record doesn't do that well, and I think that's Afterlife. I was going to say Afterlife. It's, I think they've got that market sewn up, though. It's so that's probably that's probably why. Why? What do you think it is that Afterlife? I don't know. Done that nobody I think, else. I just doing. think they've just got such solid core fans, mm. but that many of them that are like just so obsessed with the label. Yeah. Um, but if you if you, if they get a new artist on there, it's like you, the, again they cracked open wide to, yeah. to, to that entire fan base. And Afterlife is such a huge label. Yeah, and I love I love the music that comes out on Afterlife. Mm. I'm I'm a fan as well, and I've done it myself. If a new artist gets released on there, I'll go and dig a little, go and beatport and figure yeah. out look at the back catalogue as well. And I just think they've got just diehard fans. Mm. That's what it is. And I think there's not obviously there is other labels doing that sound, but they're the biggest. So. Yeah. If you're into that sound and you're into that label, you're going to be into the next big artist, and then you've got fans off the bat. Then I think Anjuna Deep does really well as well. Yeah, yeah. I agree, and yeah, and that, that their market as well. They've got theirs sewn up. Yeah. In terms of like the housier side, though, and like there just isn't. There isn't. But I think this is my theory, and I came up with this this weekend having breakfast with a bunch of mates, and trance fans are like the most dedicated fans in the world. Okay, yeah. so you'll go to a trance rave and there'll literally be 50-year-olds in there still, like, wanting to hear, still like, going. Adagio for strings because that's Sick. what they love. And this is... People are going to hate me for saying this. And Juna Deep and Tale of Us is very trancey. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but I think people hate talking about they don't like being associated with trance because trance is old and boring now. It's like, it's, <laughs> trance is sick. <laughs> I, I love trance, but it's like, yeah. I think there's like, it's kind this... of a slower, sort of slower, bit more slow trance. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Again, it's not, it's cool. Like quotes, cool trance for me. I don't think it's, I don't think the sounds are as harsh, if no. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The sound of kind of like, it's like the cutoff's just been pulled down a little mm. bit. On the, that's, that's what it feels like. Um, but I think like that's my saying, theory is that they they've created this kind of it's very emotional music mm-hmm. and I think it it people can relate to it a lot and it's it it's not super hard which then attracts to a lot more of a broader audience mm-hmm. um, and they just love it 
and their yeah. branding is so on point. And I, I wish the I was going to say I wish there was one label that would sort of like could, could break an act, but because there's that many labels now, um, across entire genres that you know, mm. like the house and tech house or whatever you want to call it, sort of like the this side of things. There's that many labels doing very similar things. I don't think there is um. It's going to be a long time before there's one that really stands out and can you know, premiere one artist that can then tour for a year or two. The rest. Of it. Yeah, I think a, a lot of artists are just setting up their like set up their own labels, which yeah. is kind of the way. If you want to release music on your own terms and and when you want to do it, um, you take all the royalties, and if you you've got a similar sort of level of following as the label you're trying mm. to release on anyway, just set up your own label. I agree. I think it's also allows you to release when you want and what you yeah, want. Yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of it, not being in a waiting, sort of like, you've got a track, like this can't come out for eight months. Yeah. And you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to like it in eight months, never mind, like want to release it. Yeah, and it's also like, like realistically, we we write a lot of music. We I, I want to release a lot of music. My whole game plan now is like kind of switched to how before, how it used to be, like where... I used to release like a few records a year. Now, like next year, I'm releasing one every month and maybe a a remix in between. And I think just the way the length, well, what you were saying with you got feeling like it took a month to get big and then it took three months to become huge and then it took six months to be the biggest thing in the world and then it still was going a year later. Like records don't do that so much anymore unless like maybe one every five years. Um Mm. But I think the more music we put out, we're, we're, we're musicians. Like, why do why would we not want to put music out? The whole point of I think it. I, I think the, the holding back records is kind of like in the hope that every single one does get the life and the length and it pops like you want it to. Whereas, like, if you release a record and, it, and if people have stopped talking about it within two weeks, you're like, shit, I've got two months before the next one comes exactly. out. And it's like, fuck. I mean, it's it's... That's the beauty of like making music. You, you want to put out your best stuff that you truly believe will be around for ages. So that's sort of like the naivety in a nice way that you, you, you've got that much faith in that record that you don't want to release anything for the next two months because yeah. this is going to be here for three months. And then two weeks later, it's fucking 86 in genre. <laughs> and Beatport, you're like, fuck, <laughs> 6,000 streams. Yay. Do, do you still look at Beatport though? Nah, not anymore. Yeah, I, I see. Where, I see. I I look at people in terms of where, like the first sort of like few days, if I get a banner or because I'll always like t- like tweet or like yeah. Instagram thanks people for the support or whatever. But in terms of charts, I don't I don't really look at the charts anymore. How how do you how do you measure your success of a record? I, I want to say Spotify, but then I don't really look at Spotify either. That'd be a lie. If I was sales on Spotify, checking the streams every day, I don't. Mm. It's more interaction on social media. Yeah. Um, how many people are commenting on the videos? How many people are sending me DMs saying they love the record? Yeah. How many times I've been tagged in someone's story? Pro- mainly that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, then you get obviously the re- you look at radio, see what Radio One plays. You've got in for, for the release weekend. And, mm as every other DJ does, you, you'll get the message the night before if you're going to be on Danny or Pete's show or whatever. Yeah. Um, Such a good feeling. And then, that. yeah, it's ace, man. It's weird, mad, like right? Pete Tong or Danny's like, introduce your record. It's funny because I've known Danny for like a long, when he was at uni. Yeah. He was at uni. That was like over from my house. Mm. Um, so I knew him when he was 
just he used to play in goal for the uh, the uni team. And he used to come to like where I used to play and we used to hang out together. And then he, he said, I'm going to do this Radio 1 thing. This when he won the competition. Yeah, I remember that. And I was just like, mate, no way, this is sick. And then I'd be like in the kitchen. I had the radio on and he'd listen to him doing like his competition. Yeah. And then he wins it and it's like the highest listened to show now on Radio 1. For, is like, it really? Dance music. I think it's the highest for dance music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. Mad. And I was I... just like, fuck, man, I was like so happy for him. The thing is that Danny hasn't changed either. It's just a sound slab. Yeah. Yeah. He's super nice. Super nice, dude. Yeah. So top guy, man. It's it's mad how that that era of radio was so powerful as well when, yeah. when that happened. Like, oh my god, every... like again though a radio one play could like you get you, you get your booking off the back of a, like a few radio one plays as yeah. well. Where now it's nothing. I don't think it's as, as, as strong anymore. I don't. I, I honestly couldn't tell you what the formula is to getting that sort of pop. Like it's having a good record, but it's then having good social media at the same time. It's everything. It's, I think. I think it's like honestly, from from what it's I just a storm it's, like it's, of, of a bunch of stuff coming in together at once. Of, magnitude of everything. So it's like for me, what I think is like very strong record. It gets played on radio a lot. It gets streamed a lot. So it gets put in all the playlists and your social media marketing behind it is just on another level. Yeah. And then you've also got to have the DJs playing it as well. Yeah. DJ support's massive because you've you got content of like some of your like peers playing your records. That's huge in, yeah. in, um, in terms of like getting their fans to be then your fans. Um, and a lot of people hate on social media and having like, the word content but it's like that's just part of new, the, the new part of the job yeah it's just something new that people just don't want to adapt to like i'm terrible i admit i'm terrible at it yeah that's i am but i'm not going to complain about it so mm. that is part and parcel of like being a being a, an artist now you've got to back it up with your socials as well i think like i totally agree with you i think social media is the reason why we're all still doing what we're doing and kind of don't have to have day jobs to be fair because it's mm-hmm. allowed us to it's allowed it to be way more commercialized which yeah. means that there's way more money to it and which means that yeah. we can all learn more and more money doing it so yeah it's great um i have an issue with the social media companies just choking all of your fucking um like traffic to, to yeah, you. it's horrendous. That's the thing. That yeah, I struggle it's stopping your reach, so you so you have to pay. That's literally what it is. And also, like when you then when you do pay, it, all of your organic reach goes because they expect yeah. you you're going to pay anyway. So it's you like keep paying. Yeah, it's just it's the worst when you get like you do a post and you go into reach and it's like six hundred people. And you're yeah. like, how? Yeah, how? What? Why? Why click follow on someone if you can't see the shit? Yeah, what's the point? It's pointless. It's so it's weird. It's a weird. Uh, I just wonder. Obviously, TikTok's blowing up now as well. I just wonder what the next sort of like, because for me, Instagram is dying to death. Yeah, my my Instagram does okay, um, but f- again, it's like classic example. Like, I don't know. It makes sense. It, to be fair, it makes sense. You put a, you put a video up or you put a picture up of you like being a goofball, and it does crazy well, right? Yeah. Or you, and then you like put a video up of like here's my next single and then click through to the links <laughs> and then it's like fucking six clicks and you're like what? <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's this is also this is I think this goes back to our conversation of um of music putting music out 
and how to promote records nowadays. I'd really be interested to see your 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 thoughts on this on or how you kind of plan to do it. But let's say, for instance, I did a remix of Depeche Mode, and a lot of people were playing it during the summer, and it was kind of it kind of did really well. Um, we like put it out on Beatport for a week and then took it down. The minute, like, I was asked about that record multiple times every single day and it was kind of did its thing we put it out and like literally within within two days it went uh techno number one on beatport because we only put it on beatport yeah and we had a fuck ton of clicks click throughs from social media i was like this is really interesting you then put a new single out that nobody knows about that you've only Mm. been playing for like a month in your sets and no one else really has it and mm-hmm. no one else is really playing it. And no one's really fucking interested when you put it out. Mm. So, uh, so you're saying a new single is in completely original material as well? Yeah. I mean, listen to, you You know yourself, listen to any records you get now where it's a regurgitated sample of something. Mm. Um, across the board in every genre. Yeah. I think I think it's, it's the easiest way to get sort of like eyes on you quickly. Yeah. It, it, yeah it, it's just starting out. Is to sort of like release something with a, with a big sample, um, and just like I, I've noticed that a lot recently. Yeah, you, you go to just going around Ibiza a few times this summer and, and just listen to like people play. You knew seventy percent of the DJ sets because of the samples that were yeah. the DJ set, which is mad because uh, I don't know, I don't know where this sort of like thing has come from in terms of like right, it's got to have a big sample, but a sample that people have already heard. Like that's what you need now. Or, or it's resung, or I don't know. In terms of like completely original, there is this is generalization again, but there is millions of records, not millions, but there's a bunch of records coming out where it is original, and yeah. you've got to just dig harder to find them. Mm. Um, but then you play them, and people are like, What's, and I feel like this is just a kind of like impatient sort of crowds. Yeah, sort of generation of like that's it. people that are going out. I think it's just. But is it it's, is it's it the crowds? The DJ's hand. Is it the crowds or is it the DJs? Is it, I think is, they're both sort of chasing each other. Yeah. So like the crowds are getting more impatient. So a DJ make a record to then of sample it there. So then the crowds would want that record, which makes them mm. more impatient. They're waiting for that. Then they, then they play that. And then the DJ is like, shit, I need more. So they make more of them. And then it's just kind of like a ladder. It's sort of just like spiraling. Because because um, we we all sample. That's the whole point of house music, right? Sampling is, mm-hmm. is house music. But for me, like sampling was about finding interesting samples and kind of just gems yeah and creating your own thing Mm -hmm. um but when you like sample like britney spears or black eyed peas or something that was a number one globally yeah like for me that it's just something about that that just it's like you're not actually it's already successful it's It's just kind of like get our jail free cards for a dj set depending on where you're playing obviously it's just it's that's you, you you just I'm gonna sound like such an old man, <laughs> like complaining no, about this. Because... I think it's I think it's actually really interesting because I don't think there's anything. I don't. I I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's not what I want to no. do. It's not as an as yeah. a producer, artist, whatever you want to call. It's not what I want to do. Yeah, one yeah. of my biggest records is Hallelujah, which is a Candy Staten sam- sample. Like, but people don't know the original of the. They know the the Lars one that came out and defected. Yeah, but for that 
wasn't that successful. That was probably successful in the 60s, but it wasn't successful, like, or in the 80s. It wasn't successful as, like, a commercial, like, hit, like, pop record. And so I think, like, I can't really talk shit on people sampling big records because I've done it myself. Yeah. But I think for me that I'm that I'm finding now is that it's the samples that they're using are all like it's they're bootlegs. Oh, they're bootlegs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's what well, that, that's what it would be known as ten years yeah, ago. Exactly. And like white labels yeah. and all of that. Yeah, yeah. It's like the thing is, yeah, it's like I'm again I'm not gonna moan about it because it's popular for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. It's popular. That's what pop is it's popular yeah. people want to listen to, to that so like I'm, i can't hate on it because there's thousands of people that w- want to go out to the rave at the weekend totally. and, and listen to those records so like what why shouldn't they get what they want to listen to maybe I, it's just again it's not for me but i'm not going to bash it it's yeah. just the way it's gone over the past few years i think don't think covid's helped i think people came out of like I don't want to talk about COVID, but like people came out of that, that sort of like time gone, shit, what's, what do we play? Yeah. What's, what's a hot, like what's, what's good, what's hot new music. And it was kind of like, everyone just sort of panicked at the same time mm. and thought, shit, let's just play something that people know. Yeah. Um, I was probably guilty of that myself a few times when it first started as well, but it came back out of the pandemic. Um, and then people just started making these like boot, well, the, the bootlegs, bootlegs and then yeah. it's just completely blown. And mm. that is just that in terms of globally market, that is, that is a huge market people want to listen to. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because it's, it's a commercial market, very commercial market mm-hmm. that yeah. it's like that. I don't think we've seen before. And yeah. I think that is because of social media, because of TikTok, because of Instagram. Um, and because I think a lot of these DJs aren't <clears throat> just DJs. Now they're celebrities. And mm-hmm. and they have such big followings. And when you have like hundreds of thousands of followers on your social media, like you're popular, you're commercial. Yeah. yeah. Like you're yeah, not, yeah, un- yeah. there's no, there's nothing underground about having a million followers. Like <laughs> it's cool. It's, I think it's fucking cool having a million followers. Yeah. But it's like, Thanks. it's, it's not underground at all. So no. you have, I feel like there comes a point where like, especially as a DJ, it's not like you're Beyonce where you're like making music to just make great music. I think as a DJ, yeah. you're, you're, you're a service to your fans to a certain extent. Mm. And, but then the other night I was listening to Bonobo's new album or newish album, the one that he's just been nominated for a Grammy for. And whilst I was listening to it, it kind of like went through to all of his old albums. And I'm like, this guy's making not sampling at all mm-hmm. all original vocals all original music and it's fucking amazing yeah 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 and and i think this is the thing that i kind of realized when i was listening i was like i'm just so caught in the dj bubble mm. where we that's we only see how we release music and how our peers release music Mm-hmm. And that there's not really much of a lifetime, life, uh, lifetime through each each record because of we're in that fast paced releasing thing. But then there there is there, there's there's there scope, is. and and I just feel like I'm not too sure if how you how we can change that's, that. That's but, the goal, though, right? Is to become right? that sort of artist. Yeah. But then 
it's tough when we're on sort of like big lineups and it's like no one's there specifically just to see you. So you yeah. want to kind of make it get those sort of like pops at, at your DJ set. Mm. And it's like, it's hard to release music that is so original and so fresh without sort of leaning into a certain direction with it. Obviously we want to, but like you said, we're in a DJ bubble. So we like, we see what we want to see and what we like, we think is going to sort of keep our careers alive. Yeah. But then you see people like say like Bonobo, just completely original and completely mm. unapologetic, just doing, doing this thing. And it's like, fuck, I want to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm more moving towards that route. If I'm honest, yeah. like I'm more, cool, I'm more at the point where it, I love the whole DJ thing It's the fucking best. Right. And it's what, but I, I really just want to be able to put out amazing original records and, mm-hmm. and really just like give them a life and it not necessarily be dance music. I think it, yeah. like, it can be. But what, what, what's the process though? How would you feel if like you did that? And you're like, this is the fucking best thing I've done. This is going to have such a life. And then, mm. like, it doesn't live up to your expectations of what you wanted to do. Would you still, like, like just go hard in that sort of direction of, of your career and artistically? Or would you be like, I need to make a fucking banger? <laughs> well, I, I think it's tough, isn't it? Because I don't know. Yeah. Right? yeah. But that's, I, the whole po- that's, that's the beauty of making yeah. music and, and I, art is like. And I think if you don't try it and you don't give it a proper go. Mm-hmm. like a real like let's let's say let's look let's look at tisha right for example mm-hmm. like her dj sets aren't her music she doesn't play her music in her dj sets I've, I've never i've never heard a dj very rarely like obviously i'm like i'm sure she does but like her like i've seen her dj sets and she doesn't really play her own music that she releases because it's like very mm-hmm. different like her music's yeah. down tempo kind of cool electronica stuff and yeah. her DJ sets. I love her music though. Yeah, music her music's so great. Good. So good. But her DJ sets aren't her aren't her, her music. It's a bit weird that for me, where like as a D, like I play all my own records. Like ninety percent of my set is my own music, whether it's released or unreleased. But mm-hmm. for me, the the challenge is is like you can still release really great music, and it doesn't have to be like. There's so many more people out there in the world that listen to music on a daily basis that don't come to a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like That's so true. Like how many like your parents, your brothers <laughs> and sisters, like they all fucking listen to music every single day and yeah. they don't turn up to our club to, to see us play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like that would be so that would be so sick, man, where you can make records that you want. And then it's not fully expected of you to then just to, to go and tour those records. I th- That'd I, be cool because then because there's no pr- the pressure's kind of off. Mm. If you still if you if you if you can still tour without the expectation of your your biggest records being you playing them, yeah, man, that is that that would be so that would be so sick as as an artist and a DJ. I also think is an amazing thing is what we have over anybody else is if we could do that. If we could release records that did that and then in our DJ sets we did a DJ edit. Like we're so lucky that we can DJ. People like yeah. like the whole live show, like 
doing a live show or having a band it's so expensive like right would you all... would you would you consider if you started like went down the street would you consider going to a live live show as well yeah i'd i'd, I'd do a live show 100 percent. that'd be sick man i i i just think uh, over... it makes touring like because touring gets tough sometimes i'm not gonna moan about touring because it's the best thing ever yeah like it's literally the best thing it does get tough sometimes when you you know you haven't slept for like a few weeks or whatever and then yeah. you're just knackered but then it, if you could like just only tour a handful of times in, in one stint because you'd yeah. be doing a live show so that would be fucking cool man that just take the excitement and nervousness up to another notch before each show yeah because i think realistically the only like the dj culture is you just tour every weekend and you don't take time off and you just keep going yeah. and keep going and keep going which i love it's like this mm-hmm. is what i fucking absolutely love but I yeah. also love the idea of like having a, a tour period. But I guess if you look at like look at like the Rolling Stones, right? Look at like all of these huge bands. They tour not on the road every single weekend. Do a block, do but, it in blocks. But they were back in the day. They were touring. Yeah. They were touring like two years in a row without a day off. I was listening to a Rogan podcast with, um. Who was it? Who did? Um, I can't remember who it was. Anyway, he w- they were saying he li- they literally did five hundred days nonstop touring. Jesus Christ! Five hundred days, like not going no home. Wonder, no wonder they were all doing not- heroin, <laughs> shooting, shooting cocaine. That's not a, wild, not man. a single day. And then you hear like Steve Aoki and like Skrillex back in the day doing like two hundred and fifty shows a year. I mean. For the money they get paid, I'd do 250 shows. <laughs> but would you though? Would you need to? I, I, it's not needing to at that point. It's sustaining a lifestyle. Yeah. So you, you get the first sort of like two weekends of a really, we're talk, in terms of high fees, we're talking over 100 grand, right? Yeah. So you get the first the first four weeks, say the first, first month of touring, half a million quid in a bank. Yeah. But, you know, take your taxes off or whatever. You probably see a few hundred, a couple of hundred grand, a few hundred grand. Yeah, let's just say quarter. And it's million. like, then yeah, then yeah, then your house, you, you you level up on your house, you get a nice car. Then it's like shit, I've got to pay for all this stuff. Like I've got to sustain it, and it's like just constantly. And I think that level of show and that pressure, you kind of get addicted to it as well. Yeah, like you can't then ju- you, you you know yourself, you, you did a, a massive run in America, right? Yeah, and you do two three weeks and of like four shows a week to then go home and stop for two weeks is I find it's the hardest thing ever. Mm. The, the come down from the highs of, of you're in this place, you, you, next hotel, yeah. next gig, amazing. It was sold out. And then you're at a festival and then you're flying to this new country. And then, then you get home and you're like, it's silent. It's just all of a sudden calmness in your life. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck, I don't even, I can't explain it. Sometimes it, it's still, I just explained it as like the calm still after complete chaos for, for three weeks. Yeah. I struggle with, man. It takes me about a week to sort of like drag myself to, to normality. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to question that. Is it the fact that you can't sit with yourself or is it the fact that you're seeing your peers touring and you're not? I mean, but sometimes it's our choice. No, I, I know that, but like, I still, for me, when I see a bunch of people touring, I'm like, "Fuck, I should be touring." I don't. I I, I don't know. I I 
I'm, I find it different. I don't look at it like that because when I see like my mates touring, say if like you posted an artwork tomorrow and I'd like, and I'm, I'm not touring for the next four weeks. Yeah. Because my missus would punch my head in if it did. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not touring for the next four weeks out, out of choice. But if yeah. like you posted an artwork tomorrow and, and was like, or even people I didn't know. Yeah. I'd be like, fucking go on. Yeah. Like, that's sick. Do you know what I mean? I like, I, I love seeing people do well, even if I don't know them. But then you are right. This apartment's like ah. that. Yeah, this is. I love seeing people do well. But it's, if, if they post up like a show that I've played and I, it was really good, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I yeah. could be going to New York That's to play Brooklyn Mirage That's now. I'm like, it's so sick. If it's like a new territory that I've never like, if it's you know a show in Brazil somewhere, I've done yeah. Brazil only like three three times. I'd be like, oh, well, nice one. But then if it's somewhere that I know that is ace, yeah, and it's sick place to play, I'd be like, fuck. Yeah, get me back on the road. <laughs> totally. It, it, then it's, it, but it's it it is just the calm with myself as well. It's like the real quiet times at home. If like I always I can't make music for like a week after being home. I mean, really? I get into like a. I, it takes me honestly about a week just to get over the jet lag and just the come down of touring. Have you ever looked at trying to like look at that? Yeah, sometimes, but I always get out of it though. Yeah. This is the thing. So it's like it's just something that happens yeah and after fair. a week i'm 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 You're set dead. but yeah, it's yeah. just that that come down line is brutal sometimes does it affect others around you no i kind of hide it really well which yeah. is not a good thing to do yeah um but i just because I, I, if you come home you've got to be a dad on a, course, like you yeah. fly home from america and it's sunday you've got to be a dad you land on monday monday night you've got to put the baby to bed yeah He's, he, doesn't he doesn't know or care that the fact that you you feel like shit because you've just other than this massive crash of yeah. dopamine and adrenaline it's just gone through the floor after two weeks of like the highest high totally you've got to go and put the baby to bed you know what i mean i want to i want to talk about sustainability you kind of br- br- briefly brought it up like with lifestyles as a dj and mm-hmm. earning money and living within your means how do you manage that mate i am if you ask like melee for example I am Scrooge, man, with money. <laughs> I swear, like, I don't... He's the opposite. <laughs> He's I, the opposite. I had him on the so podcast, he... he's like, i got to save money. Mate, He's like, I don't know how to save money. Mate, we, this is, we, could, we are polar opposites. Really? We, we always laugh about it, complete opposite. So, we, like, we got up, I was like, mate, it's PRS day. And he's like, fuck, no way, like, let's get the money in. And he went to, he went, what, where did we go? He, he messaged me and he was like, I've just got my PRS money. I'm on my way to Flannels. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to Tesco to buy nappies. <laughs> and he's buying his 600, big 600-pound coat. And I'm there. I'm, I like, I'm really tight with money. Like, yeah. every money that I've gone has gone to savings. Like, I, I bought my house. Yeah. Like, I don't go and buy, like, like, expensive cars or watches mm. or whatever um because i did that when i first started touring i yeah. got a really nice car and was like shit i've got to pay for this thing now monthly yeah. and just lease the lease the brand new audi straight off the showroom floor and after a year i was like fuck can i give this thing back yeah, yeah. and they're like no you've got another 12 months i was like jesus christ renting expensive houses yeah and then spent spending my outgoings were like insane just yeah. ju- just to live a certain lifestyle Moved house like four times because I just wanted a better house every time. Just like wow. I rent a new house, like detached houses. Yeah, I was like, this is fucking stupid. And yeah. then like, literally, 
a few years ago, I was like, from mum and dad, literally moved in with, with my missus and was like, we're going to move back to mum and dad's, save up for a year, buy a house. Yeah. Like, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I feel like it's impossible to save and then buy unless you're earning a shit ton of money. Yeah. So then we what, literally was home for like seven months and then just then saved up and bought a house and got mm. straight out. Um, but it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty tight with money. I just don't, I don't spend money easily. I'm always trying to find ways to save as well. If my accountant phones me up, he's like, "God, oh, I'm always like, how can we save money? Like, save money yeah. always. If I've got to pay a certain bill, you need a music lawyer in this territory. How come, can you not do it to my manager? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, fuck off now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. But I, 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 that's just, that, that was, that came from me spending yeah. insane amounts of money when I was, first started touring. And then it, only up until like 2000 and, 18, I was like, nah, this has got to stop. Mm. This, you're just constantly going to be renting houses and just spunking your money away and just, you're never going to have anything saved up. Yeah. And that's what I did when I was DJing around bars as well. I get, because it was always cash in hand. I'd get to the end of the week and it was like three gigs, did like 700 quid in a week. The next week before my first gig started, I'd have like 20 quid. Yeah. I was just like, and I, I was living at home when I was like 19, 20. Mm. 21 and I, I, the end the next gig i'd have like no money and i was like what the fuck and it, like i'd check it was like tax two taxis a day dinner out every single night and yeah. i was like oh there's the problem whereas now i'm just like cooking every night really go out to eat ever it's, i'm always looking for cheap flights <laughs> you're so right and i think i th- i don't i think people from an outsider's point of view see the DJ work because it's all over social media is like you're earning millions of pounds and, and dollars and kind of you're living this extravagant lifestyle, which we live the best fucking lifestyle, but it all costs a lot of money. Yeah. And you've also got to pay everybody else as well that works for you. And then yep. you've got to pay taxes and then you're left with from realistically, like not much of your fee. Um, and I think it's, very easy to kind of get caught up in that social media world where you're showing off everything you've kind of can buy and it cringes me out personally i i'm not a huge fan of it and i understand why it happens but i think it's so important as an artist to be able to this is a career so it's like treat it like a career and treat it like you're working a nine to five and save your money and be sensible with your money and not live an extravagant lifestyle lifestyle and it's like what you were saying with like the big guys earning hundreds of thousands of dollars it's like don't live way below your means Mm -hmm. like like i i genuinely don't believe that they could they could afford to stop for a few months because then you've got if they are buying expensive houses or what i mean look i'd do the same if i had that level of money as well yeah. I'd get that that size house. I'd, I'd do the because you just have that much money in the bank. You you think it's going to be there, but then you've got to chase the next show. And I think chase that's the next that's, gig. That's the thing that I I don't know if I would personally. Like, don't get me wrong. I if I was earning like that much money, you got six million quid in your bank. You not telling me you'd move into some sick gas. I would build a cool place in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't move in. You'd build it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think I I I'm not. I also have no desire to live an extravagant lifestyle the only the only yeah. things in my life that are expensive is food really <laughs> hey hey buddy can you see him 
Ah, it can't it's be. It's okay. <laughs> go on, go to mummy. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get on the podcast. He does. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think, yeah, when you're a multimillionaire, I think it's different if you know what I mean, if you've got that much money in your bank, but also it's like yeah. how much else are you having to pay for? Like these, sh- these big shows that they're putting on, like let's say for instance, fish put in 28,000 tickets in Sydney. Like yeah. that costs a lot of money to put on. There's a lot of people yeah. behind that, that, that take a lot of money out of that as well. Like mm-hmm. you, you just, in that, yes, he's making a shit ton of money. But to sustain that living, you also have to spend a lot of money to in your career, not just... Yeah, oh, you've got to invest in everything. This is another thing that people probably don't realise. It's like, I didn't... When I took my manage, management on, they were like, so the first time I ever spoke to them, um, I think it was in 2014, I got management. And they were like, well, we take 20% of your money. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, what's what? what you take 20 percent of my money and then it was like so your agent takes 10 percent of my money takes 20 so, like, so that's 30 percent as i go it's not cash in hand anymore you, you're doing so it's invoices so you've yeah. got to you've got to pay full whack of tax it tax on it as well yeah. so then i was like shit so that's basically 50 percent of all my fees gone mm-hmm. so then seven hundred thousand pound gigs now 500 and then it's just travel which a lot of times seven hundred thousand pound you're getting seven hundred thousand pound a show <laughs> seven hundred pound a show I'm buying that big house now. He's <laughs> coming around yours for dinner. <laughs> and then you got you left at the end of the like say say you got one show that week after your expenses of traveling. This is when when I was you know first got started in 2013 14. Come at the end of the week with three three four hundred quid. Yeah, because if you you paid for travel as well, which is still Liverpool in the UK is Liverpool. Kind of not really. Not anymore. Now, you, yeah, yeah. You couldn't live off that now. And this is when I was with, back in the parents' house, house before we moved out in 2016. Um, and I was like, shit, I've got. Then it's again, it's chasing the fees, chasing the, the gigs, mm. expectation of releases, and it just it's one big melting pot of like you're trying to find the next way to step your career up to the next level to the, then move to like 1500 quid because I always sort of like. You start off at 500 quid, then you move to like 700 to a grand, and then you're on 1500. And then the gap between 1500 and three was super hard to like yeah. step. And then it goes to three, and then from three, it goes to like seven. Yeah. And then that's, and then just moves from there then. And it, once you're at like that level of fee, you can just, you know, you see, you, you know, people yourself of that yeah. level that you can just write your own, you can just ask for whatever you want then. Mm. Um, but I always saw it in stages and it was just kind of like, like the next the next stage to get to that so I can invest more in yeah. social media and I can invest more in because I had I had a social media team that was paying like oh god how much was it it was like, it was like a thousand pound a month really in 2015 when it wasn't even necessarily needed to that level just to do like schedule posts for me and I was like fuck yeah I could be doing this and I, I just started doing it myself. And then now I'm like, shit, I should have kept them on because <laughs> social media now is everything. Yeah. Whereas in 2014, it wasn't. Um, so it's kind of like spending money unnecessarily back in the day. And you just learn, you learn on the job and you learn you moving forward. You can't, I don't really see the choices of mistakes anymore. It's just kind of like learning curves and like you've done this before, this didn't work. So then don't do that again. Yeah. 
I think also cash flow is so important as a touring DJ because you're buying your flights three months in advance for a show, and you're so you're you're paying expenses out. Especially if yeah. you're in America or you're on landed deals, Europe's a little bit different because they do uh, different deals where it's plus plus plus. Yeah. So like a lot of the time they're paying for your travel, but I think like which is which is which because the trains are usually under a hundred quid wherever you go around yeah. the UK. But like um, America, though, you, you, everything's you pay for your own flights. Everything's landed. So same for Australia. So I played Australia in the end. I think it was the end of September, start of October. And I booked my flights four weeks before then. The flights were about six grand. I've not been paid to me gigs yet. Yeah. It's like six grand in a hole for and, my flights. And that's the thing that I'm saying is that like you you have to have cash in the bank at all time. There has to be like a, a, a pool of money. So yeah, that you just can, a safety net. You can just kind of like... So a lot of people, a lot of DJs are using um, Amex to book the flights now just because you're paying your credit card and you pay it back the next month where yeah. you'd hope hopefully be will it will have been paid by then yeah yeah i which i'm gonna start doing as well when i moved to america credit cards was like growing up in england credit cards isn't, isn't a thing at all i've never had never had one yeah but the minute i moved to america i realized that your life is judged on you like financial life is judged on credit so if if you can't if you don't have a credit card you can't get a mobile phone contract you can't get a mortgage you can't it's get, encouraged to get credit cards to, yeah, it's, to pay them off. Yeah, to 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 build a credit score. So then it's, it's easier to then get a mortgage. It's easier to go lease a car. Like even like... So if you've never had a credit card, your credit rating will be low. You don't have a credit score. What the fuck? Yeah, it's same in the UK. So I, I, I've never had a credit card though. Yeah. Your credit score will be less than what it would be if you had a credit card but the different thing in the uk is you don't need you can still buy shit <laughs> you, yeah you 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 can have a a phone contract in the uk without having like a credit score because you do have a credit score but like because yeah. you're not in any debts or anything like you can still get a mortgage in the uk if you don't have a credit card because your yeah. credit score is still based on your bank where in america it's very different like the way to... are you back in america now yeah i'm in detroit Ah, I thought you'd moved back home. Last time I spoke to you, you said you'd moved home. Yeah. I'm when we just... saw you in New York, was it Electric Zoo? Yeah, I was in the UK then. Ah, uh, okay. So when I, when I tour, when I'm touring America, I usually base myself in Detroit. But this time nice. has been like one weekend in Europe, one weekend in America, one weekend somewhere else. So it's just like, I've not really been in Detroit that much. Yeah. Um, Have you kept your place there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's yeah. always that's that six other base over there. It's so hand, man. I, and this, this is again, it goes back to what we were talking about. Is like, I was living in LA initially, didn't really like LA, so I moved. I was then moved to New. Is that the first place you moved to? Yeah. Straight to LA. Yeah, oh, <laughs> straight in. Because <laughs> I thought, like, I didn't know. Like, I obviously LA I, is in terms of the music industry. When you first start touring America, you think like LA. music industry is yeah. in LA, yeah. And like, I'd been to America a bunch, and I toured America a couple. A couple times but that was like my first real big tour in like 2005 i think it was wow. no 2015 not 2005 because did you did you start touring properly in america first, first? Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that's right because you 
You did the dirty bird stuff, right? Yeah, I did it backwards. Yeah, yeah. So I did it like backwards to what everyone else in the UK did. Like, I, it. I still can't get booked in the UK in a lot of places. It's, it's, it's. It, it, it's but I don't feel like our sounds are necessarily the popular sort of like no. the region, like the regional bangers that we we're talking about, like the Nottingham's, the Bristol's, the those shows, like. I just wouldn't connect with the sort of like uni students from those yeah. local areas. I agree with the promoters. There's no point booking me for yeah, them yeah. because, you know, it's my sound isn't necessarily that. popular there. Whereas mm. in America at the minute, it's just completely blowing up for me over there. It's like every, every other booking is an, is an American booking, yeah. if not more now. So great. I think mean, next year it's going to be, heavily focused on getting over getting it backwards and forwards to america but that's 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 going back to that thing it was like i was in la and then moved to new york i love new york new york's my favorite place yeah in the world. It's, new york's the best, it's the fucking best. Yeah. but i was at the point where i needed a place full time and you ain't paying new york price exactly <laughs> and that's it it's like do, like i want a level of life like i I like a level of like niceties, right? And mm-hmm. like I have a level where I'm not going to live in absolute squalor to just mm-hmm. live in a city. And do I want to spend four grand a month on rent in New York to have like a two bedroom apartment so I can have my studio in my apartment with me? Or mm-hmm. do I want to move somewhere way more affordable where I can buy a house and have. Have you got a studio in your house? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. This is, yeah, you're in my studio now. Nice. Um, so it's like. That was it. That was another thing. It's like realistically, how can I be so as efficient as possible so that when I'm mm. touring in America, I don't have to pay hotels during the week. I then have a place where I can work. And we we always quite like savvy with money. Or did you ever go through a period of like no. obviously the the LA period? <laughs> no, because the LA period just... the LA period was like I literally rented a room. I, I was paying. Oh, really? I was paying twelve hundred a month, renting a room, um, wow. and I, I, Mike, I've never, only recently, like in the last few years, like have I been earning reasonably good money touring. Yeah, um, yeah, same. So, it, realistically, for me, is like I've, I've never really like had so much expendable cash where i'm like fuck it yeah yeah occasionally i might buy some nice sneakers if you know what i mean i might buy some nice trainers mm-hmm. and like do that but do you ever like, find it like if you release like a big like record like you, you your family are like oh so you, you must have loads of money now like say if like you get a record that does well everyone's everyone thinks you, you earn a heap ton of money off off like release music it's really weird because like i'm like really close to my family and we like mm. like my, my i talk my parents know so much about my career it's like they know mm. fees and everything and they understand yeah, it yeah. all so like no they know that it's like you're not earning money realistically in the grand scheme of things um but yeah it's your mates definitely like your mates will hear you on radio one and think you're a fucking millionaire <laughs> yeah i remember when the, the remix for josh like was going like insane i think we played it like nick grimshaw played it on in the morning yeah um just once and that's when mum and dad were like that's you and i was like yeah i made it in your loft <laughs> And then you were like, fuck. So my dad was like, so you must be minted now. I was like, dad, I didn't make a penny from that record. Yeah. Not 
single, not a single penny. And he's just like, no way. He's like, so you just got to speak to you to get some money out of it. It's like, that's not how it works. Who are we sending the heavies round? I literally just, yeah, I just literally signed a contract to do a remake because that was zero fee on it and zero percentages. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Kills me to this day, man. What label was that? It was on MTA. So basically, there was two remixes, wasn't there? So I, the first... Gonna say this, I'm gonna say it. So the first remix came out on MTA. Yeah. Well, the very first remix I did, um, the label knocked it back, which was the one that got really popular. Yeah. Um, and I played it to Pleasurecraft. Yeah. And he was like, "Like, we'll release that on my label, and I'll, we'll do it as like, because you can't just do a Bontem remix on MTA. Yeah, yeah. And then the Bontem remix on the label is like, we'll do a Bontem vs Pleasurecraft edit. Yeah. Um, and that. Second one is the one that came out on Pleasure Cross label that did really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, didn't sign, a, didn't sign anything for that either. Yeah, I know. Let's talk about that. Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, it happens a lot. <laughs> it, ha- I'm it trying- happens. I'm trying. I had no management, nothing. So yeah. it's kind of like it, it was messed up because that, that then that edit got taken down off all platforms mm. it got re- did really well and then MTA took it I don't know who took it down it was licensed by Sony for something and then it got really messy because it was like no one knew who owned so what? I signed I, I signed a contract to do the remix for Josh on MTA yeah which was just a standard sort of like heads of agreement there was nothing yeah it was one page it just signed it the remix I didn't think it was going to do anything. I was like, didn't ask for any money. First ever track. I was like, let's just, it's, it's good to be on the label. Um, and then obviously with that first one that um, Pleasurecraft had heard and he was like, mate, this is massive. Yeah. And I was like, well, MTA rejected that. Um, and he was like, let's just release it on my label. And then he got in touch with MTA and then subleased my remix. Yeah. I don't know how, how it really worked. Yeah, he and wouldn't license your remix. Change it to an, but then we did the edit. Um, which got really the edit was the original remix that got um, uh, knocked back by MTA. MTA, we just did a little uh, Skype chat and did uh, change the arrangements, and then released it on his label. I didn't, I didn't sign anything for that either, or, or ask for a fee. <laughs> and second highest uh, seller on B4. <clears throat> you just think they fucking give you some money? It's not what it is. I, 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 it is how it's it asking is. someone for money though isn't it it's like do you know what I mean it's just human nature someone comes up to you and says can I have some money even though initially I did sign a contract for MTA which probably covered the entirety of yeah. what happens going forward I don't know um, but something happened where everything got taken down I had no I didn't have any representation I had no management nothing yeah. so that uh, remix was smashing it on B-Port um, so the edit of the remix mm which was both me as well. So it wasn't like they were trying to get me to sign it so they could just then take all the cash. It was kind of like they wanted to take it back because I don't know what, what had happened. So it, it kind of just got, it got pulled. It was, a, I've never seen it before in terms mm. of like how messy the situation was. And I wasn't privy to any conversation, just little bits of it um, of like, right, so you need to sign this. I was like, cool. I was like, first ever remix. I was like, I'd probably do it again now if I was first starting out. 
Because well, I this wouldn't... is the thing, and this is why this podcast is great for it, because there's going to be a fuck ton of kids that probably hear this and are like, don't fuck, like, it's just stealing. Yeah. But the thing is, like, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd be sat here now doing this. But the you record, I mean? the record was doing well before you signed the contract. True. Like, good music True. does well. Yeah. And I think I, I I understand what you're saying that you're like mm. that record was the like that record has allowed you to do everything else, yeah. Sure. Which great, yeah, it has. But somebody's also made a fuck ton of money, and I know I don't want to bring all this up because it's like it's I'm sure you processed it and everything like that. But somebody else is making money out. of Someone that, else, yeah. Which, someone else. Like I'm not. I don't know who. Like I honestly couldn't tell you who or whether it's one of the majors or whatever. But somebody, somebody has, and th- yeah, that is the joys of doing a remix, right? Like you get mm. a remix fee, or like, and even now, like for if, like when I get asked to do remixes, I'm. I will push hard on the percentages and I'll push hard on pub, even yeah. on publishing now. Like More I, so than, than, than actual fee for me. Yeah. I'll always push for um, percentages rather than get a DJ fee. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not a DJ fee, a, um, a remix but, fee. But yeah. I, because you, because you know, I'm not, especially now for me, that off chance, it might just go mental. Yeah. And then there's thousands and thousands and thousands. I think, there. I think push for publishing as well, because yeah. realistically you're writing a whole new record. Mm-hmm. and true and you're it's still you as an artist mm-hmm. and i think this is the thing that no one gets taught about when you're kind of coming up and no one tells you about music law like none of us fucking yeah. have a clue about it like i, I was I, I thought i was like if, if i don't know what it was it was like i was shitting myself about signing this contract yeah i've never exactly yeah really released any music before yeah and it, it was doing so well i was like so if i don't sign this it's going to get taken down off everything yeah and I was like, shit, I need to keep this alive because yeah. it was peak, like, yeah. going crazy. Um, and it got taken down anyway. <laughs> Even my first, like, management contract, I got a music lawyer to look at it and I still didn't have a fucking clue what I was signing and then yeah. regretted it after I signed it. Like, you just trusting the music lawyer then at that point. Exactly. And it's like, I don't know this fucking dude. Like, yeah. it could be anybody. And, like... I've never, I've never signed um, a management contract. No. I don't think I ever will either. I won't ever because, again. No, because you're working with each other. Like that's just the way it should be. It's sort of like a gentleman's agreement. Like you work together, you commit to each other, and if it doesn't work out, you part ways and you have to pay someone for the next year or two afterwards. Totally agree. And I and I think that's, yeah, so that's kind of what, what happened to you. Did you sign it? Yeah, I signed it, and then you try. I tried to leave, and you tried to sue me for two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, and I'm like, I'm like. Well, I'm not actually supposed to talk about this. <laughs> I wasn't meant to talk about the thing as well, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. It's gone now. We're all friends. Um, yeah. I didn't pay him 200. I was like, mate, if I can afford 250,000 pounds, I would not be suing you. I, I would not be leaving you. <laughs> like we'd be yeah, very yeah. successful and we wouldn't be leaving. Like, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. let's do the maths here. Like, you know how much money I earn. Like, yes, I'll pay you. And then, yeah, cut long story short, I got out of it, but ended up paying him money, but, it was yeah yeah it gets messy like you got, one thing i would say if, if people are sort of starting out it's just always again though no, i'd say read contracts and be wary but like what does that mean I, again if, if i was put in the same position starting out again i'd do the same thing yeah. over again i yeah. just would i just i'd feel like i genuinely feel like i would um just out of 
anxiety that it wasn't going to keep going if I didn't. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's just a learning curve. I wouldn't do it now, but if I was starting out again, I'd probably do this the exact same way. Yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. I, I'd be sat 10 years on fuming. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Because I also think like, even now, like, I, I still, there's so much I don't know about and I still have to do so much research. And like, mm. I write music for other people and like then I get the deals through and they're talking about PPD and stuff like that and I'm like I need to fucking learn so much and like they're talking about certain deals and I'm like I google so much now and then I just call friends that are in higher places that know more about it than me and and I think and I call like multiple people and then I get like three different answers and I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, no. And then I'm realized like no one actually really fucking knows what they're doing here and it's just winging it. And realistically it's the big, the big labels are making the money out of the people that are creating all the great music. Yeah, mate, it's true. Like again, going back to what happened for me, MTA was owned by a major then as yeah. well. I've got no under no impression it wasn't you know the major labels that pull the strings for every decision that happens. Of course, and that ain't going to change. No, it's not until like you know releasing music. You set up on your own label and release music that way. But mm. in terms of you know, the bigger stuff, the majors just call the shots. Yeah, and it, and if you if you're just starting out like I was and put in a position where you had to sign something, I just did, and I probably would again. Yeah, just out of pressure, like same pressure. It's kind of fucked up, but. Is it ever going to change? Will it ever change? No. No. There's always going to be... Well, it's a world I'm happy to live in, unfortunately. That's the thing. It's it's sad that we, it is like that. But realistically, mm. we can complain about it all we want or we can just get on and write as best music as possible and keep going. That's it. Yeah, man. That's all we do. Like, realistically, the majors, especially in our world, like, the majors sign a dance record not really because it's going to necessarily do well as well. Like, they have fucking Adele. Like, yeah. they don't need us, if you know what I mean. No, they, no, no. They're signing culture. That's the, the reason why they're, I feel like they're signing dance records is because of the culture behind it. It, it makes the label look cooler. It gives them yeah, sure. different culture. And I look at a, a remix, we can complain about majors, but a remix fee from major labels always nice as it's well. Always nice. It's always nice. Always nice. Um, and that they lose out so much money on things like that because they never recoup these remixes. A lot of these remixes, especially now with Spotify, where Spotify doesn't give a fuck about remixes. Apple don't give a fuck about re- and That's a lie, actually. Apple does give a fuck about remixes. Um, but, like, you put a remix out on Spotify and it's like the likelihood of it doing well is very, very, very low. Yeah, um, So it's like, yeah, these labels aren't really making that much money off the fees that you're... They're, they're they're buying into culture. They're buying your name. That's what yeah, that's what that's they're paying for. Um, true. So it's and they, of, they always they always will. Yeah, I think that's they they always will. They always they always will, and they and they always do. Um, but again, I I'll take the fee and do the remix. Yeah, like, yeah, man. As you probably have many times before as well. Yeah, couple couple I've regretted over the years, but is what it is. Yeah, there's always a few that you're like, oh, fuck. I did I did like two during COVID. Hey, but may you've got to earn some money. This is again going back to treating it like as, as a job, yeah. As a nine to five, it's like, how else would we have earned any money in COVID? Yeah, I did a couple of remixes as well in COVID that I didn't even shout about or yeah, push the release because I was like, I've got to get some fucking money in here. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, you had to. 
You had to. You had to turn the lights on, keep the lights on at the end of the day. Because we, we, I wasn't getting like a monthly payment from the government or anything. I didn't get. No. A, I didn't get a drop. No. Because if you set up as like a company, if you're a director of your, of your own company, you don't get. Even though you're an employee of your own company, but you're the director as well. Unless you're a limited so, company. Yeah. I, 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 I am. I was. I, I am. Yeah. I didn't get anything. Yeah, you could have got a you could have got a loan. You, you, you could... oh the, the bounce back loan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got, I got, I got the bounce back loan. Yeah, I think everyone, I think everyone did because it was just kind of like zero point zero zero point one percent repayment, and yeah, I was like, yeah. just basically free money to then take just pay back. Yeah, 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 take it on, or or in, in solve your company afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, the people that did that, I was just like, that's insane. You got some balls to be able to do that. Why well, is the whole point of having a limited company and the government's trying to tell you to have a limited company because then you take nothing on personally. And if yeah. the government's giving like government's giving you no money, giving you free money <laughs> and then yeah. and then giving you the opportunity to like insolve your company, then fucking go for it. Like I wonder what you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through it right now. It's like <laughs> well, I think also the thing is is before the before covid i had a business in in uk like i had financial income coming in in the uk after covid all my touring moved to europe and america so mm. it's like there's no money coming in what can yeah. you do like yeah in in that That's uk true. company so it's like for me i i have a bit i have a company in america nice um, is that where you set up now in america I've been set up in America. I, I, what was that? It's just lunatic. Hello. Hey. Hey, hi. Hi, buddy. Hi. 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 <laughs> Go back to mommy. <laughs> yeah, I. We're dead. This is good. <laughs> Come here. What's the matter? This is hey? the first time the podcast has been taken over by a child, and I love it. I'll take the, I'll take the laptop upstairs if you want. We can we can wrap up soon, dude. That's um, all good. But yeah, I think like yeah, I I moved I moved everything into America pretty much when I first started touring in America. It was like the first thing nice. I did was like work out how to get this taxing in america sorted because it's a nightmare as i'm sure you, you're yeah you're I'm, tr- I'm trying to go through a, um, a tax return in america at the minute um because with olden tax it's just fucking it's insane it's crazy yeah and then you then you so you get your percentage back from your uk tax to up to 19 percent, and then you yeah. go do a tax return for the rest of it that's in america mm. um which i didn't realize up until like you can only do. I thought you could take it back from when you first started no. coming to America. I didn't know this. Yeah, and then you like like you pay your management fees and stuff. Like the withholding tax isn't taken off. Yeah. So then I pay management fees from like 2017, 18, with without what withholding tax taken yeah. off, and I can't even claim that back anymore. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, fuck. You so you lose an extra money there. You can. I think you can go back to 2019. That's it. 2019. Yeah. So at the minute we're doing. 
which was just before fucking COVID. So I only did like one, two tours in 2019, just start of 2020. And then August 2021, I got I got over there. I got one of those, um, what are they called? You get like a pardon from the UK to go over. What, uh, do you remember when it, we, we first came out and like you had to apply to go to America? Yeah, what was that called? And they turned down a bunch of people. Yeah. And then my manager called me and was like, mate, you got yours through. Get the fuck I got out on a there. flight. Yeah. It was a, got an A380, mate, and there was 16 people on there. Wow. It was insane. I got to Heathrow and they were like, like they couldn't understand why I was getting on a plane. It was like no one had been told why people were traveling. Yeah. And they were like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, I've got this letter that says I'm allowed to travel to America to, to work. I've got a visa. And they were like, they were so confused yeah. because I didn't have like a suit on or I ended up in like trackies <laughs> on. And they were just like, what? They had called like four different people and they were just kind of like, well, all those papers are in, like everything's in check. I got there and God bless Florida because they just did like loads of shows in, in Florida because they were just open. Florida and, and Texas. Like, yeah, just literally. Literally, Florida, Florida and Texas. Texas kept DJs alive through, through, the, Massively. through that Massively. So this was August um, 2021. Yeah. And then um, New York, the week before, just been passed. Yeah. We did, I did Alro New York, and it was the first time anyone had done like over a thousand caps yeah. somewhere or something like that. And I played there, and it was like, did I do that insane. with you? Was it two, think, August 2021? If we were on the same lineup. Yeah, I did. Which Josh played as well. I'm pretty sure. Me and Josh played. Me and Josh played back to back. I think you were. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't think I saw you. There's a heart on the inside. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That made it sick. That was so good. It's so good. And then it just just that just that flight over was weird, man. It was fully staffed. So like, and those eighty eighties, it's like twenty staff. Yeah. So everyone had an air, air steward to themselves. Wow. And it was insane. I was just like, everyone just started talking to each other because I think it just sort of like moved everyone to club, which is business class. Oh, really? So everyone, was, everyone just sort of like could just sit where they wanted. It was an That's empty wild. Point. That's it was so wild. Nuts, man. And it, everyone just started chatting to each other and just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> How are you allowed to come here? Oh, insane, man, man. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. Like Now we are. Now we are. Yeah, I guess. I think the thing so is. What, what have you got coming up? <sighs> Just a bunch of touring. Yeah. I, go, I go back to the UK. Well, by the time this comes out, I would have gone back to the UK, going away from my with my family, um, and then uh, going to Senate Parks with the family, and then back to New York. I'm going took a took a weekend off. My one of my mates getting married in in New York, um, and then just touring. Senate Parks for the vibes. Yeah, mate. It's always fun. <laughs> Love it. Always fun. Um, what about you? You got a baby coming. Yeah, and then I've not actually got any re- uh, releases planned. I'm doing some. Yeah, I've, I've I've got like a bunch of collabs on the go at the minute, and just like releases, but there's nothing set in stone for next year. Yeah. But Warehouse Project ended a month. Um, Is that New Year's Eve? Some... No, I'm doing thirtieth. Nice. And then I'm doing uh, three three eight in London on New Year's Day, and then straight to America, and then just kind of I've got so many records finished that I'm just trying to. Figure out what I'm doing. Putting the bank. Going to do something. Going to do something with Diplo as well. We're kind Sick. of backwards and forwards working with something. Amazing. Um. So yeah, man. Hopefully next year you'll be seeing a lot more of me in America. Yeah, man. Well, I'll be. I here. love it out there, man. I love it out there. It's funny, isn't it? Like how everybody, everybody that tours in America wants to be touring in Europe. 
everyone's touring in Europe wants to be touring in America. And you've probably seen it because you were touring in America as a UK artist before that. Most mm. in terms of like regularly yeah. to the point where you moved out there. Yeah. And then you've probably seen all these UK acts that were like, oh, I just want to play in the UK to then be like, right, fuck America's popping yeah. up because it really is like you could, you could, you could tour three, four times a week in America now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could tour three times a week in America yeah. without a doubt. Um, I just feel, and the shows are all so good. I remember 2018, I did 112 shows in a year and 85 of them were in America. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> I know, right? Because you, you forget. I mean, obviously you don't forget because it's fucking massive, but the, the, the size yeah. of America. I wouldn't advise ma- doing that. It's not a good thing for your career when you're doing that because it's... Is, is there like regional bangers that we do in the UK, but in America? Yeah. like Is it? What's like the maddest place you've been to? There's some fucking weird places out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> some re- I'm playing Indianapolis on Friday. Wow. I bet you're like, what? Where the fuck is it? I don't even know where Indianapolis is. It's like two hours from me in Detroit, but I don't even know where Indianapolis is. Like, I always think of like Kentucky and places like that. Yeah. Have you done like gigs there? I've never done. I've done. So I did Alabama once, well, was but that, like? that was like when I was twenty, and it was awful. Like nobody turned <laughs> up. <laughs> I um, always, I always, I always think like that. Like, what, 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 the, what? Would the difference be yeah. in terms of like America and the UK in terms of those Reggie Banger shows and what there's, they'd be like a, in America? There's a lot. I think it's slowly growing. Like for me, like Texas, when I first started touring Texas, there was nothing in Texas. Now yeah. Dallas is amazing. Austin, Dallas is so good. Austin is amazing. Did you have you done it'll do in Dallas? Yeah, I played there a few weeks ago. So good. So good. Yeah. Did you, did you do open to close? Have you done an open to close I have, yet? Yeah, in 2020, I did open to close there. Can I ask? Is this, is that same guy that turns up there? He's kind of like he wears like <laughs> best way to describe it is like Texas cowboy type stuff. And he's like the first, They say he's the first person there every week. He comes for like two hours, just drinks a coke by himself, and just dances. I can't remember. I cannot. Mate, remember. I'll never forget this guy because he just stood there at the coke and he was just dancing with a cowboy hat. And- <laughs> He just he, this lad must have he must have only been like 22, 23, but they're like he's there every week. And I was like, life. what a legend! And as I was leaving, I was just like, mate, you are a king. <laughs> and he's just like, thanks for the music. I was like, but uh, we need them people, man. Yeah, we do. Especially man. open to closes, when, we do. like, yeah, they're... people aren't coming in for the first hour or so. You need those diehards at the front. Open to closes are so much fun, though, aren't they? Oh, I love them. So good. I love them. But then I, I'm all, but also I'm kind of like, unless people aren't coming in off the bat. And if you don't know it's sold out already or like yeah. you haven't sold it out, you're like, fuck, how many people are actually going to come? <laughs> yeah, but I think that's... <laughs> playing the... the first two hours, like... Empty. Yeah, warming up, thinking, please come soon. Please Club... come soon. Club culture is different as well now. It's like, especially in America, you have like two hours. Like headline culture is such a big thing here. So it's not really about the whole, like the whole night. It's about go get go get your drinks, like pre-game and then go turn up for the headliner. So like... Yeah. To change that culture and to change the like, I'm playing all night long. Like, it's it's hard to do. I did a whole tour of open to close. I did like 25 dates nice. of open to close in America, Sick. which was an amazing experience. And in certain markets, they really got it. And in certain markets, yeah. you're like, 
why am I doing this? It's like it's just pointless. Well, that, that's the that's the, that's what happens when you do an open yeah. to close tour. You've got to like it's take fun. the rough with the smooth. Yeah, it's fun because they're not all going to be the same. And also, you get to just play music that you don't get to play. Like yeah. I love opening sets. Like, I love playing opening sets, especially like like when was the last time you truly get to open a set? Like you don't. Talking about opening. We had me and so around the time of like that remus came out, me and Josh did the um we open up for Sheik yeah. and Rogers wow. around the UK. We did the UK tour no with way. them. Mate, the first few shows people did not want to listen to our <laughs> <laughs> Because it was they were sold out shows, so people yeah. would fill into the venue and then we'd start. So then we'd start, we, I think we played the Roundhouse in London twice. We no did the, the Friday and the Saturday. We did the whole UK tour because now, now I was like, we want, I want quality house music. And then my man just sent, sent him over all of, like all stuff that we'd done. And he was like, exactly what I want for the tour. Yeah. Um. So oh, the speakers have just switched. Yeah, you just um, switched. So we did, the, can you still hear me? Yeah. yeah. So we did the, um, the Roundhouse and honestly, Strictly Mate. like, huh? Uh, you, I lost you then. Carry on. So we played strictly house music. Yeah. Strictly. And it was just people just staring at us for the entire <laughs> two hours, mate, to the point where we left the first two shows in London. We had to go to Birmingham. And that was the next show. And like, we were driving the car, it was me, Josh, and my missus, and my missus. And we were like, We've got to cancel the rest of this tour. <laughs> like, we can't do this. <laughs> we're like, we can't do it. And my miss was like, what? get your head in the game, switch it up. Because we were like, no, we want help. Like, now wants house music, wants house music. Yeah. So we kind of like just like turned it around. And every show we were getting more used to, like, no one is there to see you just yeah. open up. We're talking about open up and playing like stuff you'd never get to play. Mm. It was like, Play it, lean into the disco a bit more. Keep it house music, but lean into disco a bit yeah. more. Explore new records that you wouldn't necessarily play. Yeah. And then by the time we got to Glasgow, we were like, we fucking nailed this. <laughs> like, we did like six shows and then we got to Glasgow and it was like... The best thing like, ever. The best, mate. And you know, it's like in Scotland, we played like a few old classics and then they just knew old yeah. like records as well. Mm. So we were like, oh my God, finish on a high. We like played Glasgow, went to the after party like with all with everyone. And then we we left thinking like without a weird taste in your mouth, do you know what I mean? It was yeah. like the last show was we nailed it hard. And oh, we were I like that. those first two the first two shows, man, it was like what have we got ourselves into? <laughs> but then Niall, now so then we were play, where did we play? we played Manchester? And there was a group at the front that were going absolutely nuts. And they kept holding their phones up, and I was like, and then Niall came out. And he'd been tweeting him saying that the opening act is they're amazing. What are the guys' names? Because we didn't know. So we, <laughs> it's fucking funny this. So the first two shows we had our name, Josh Butler and Bontan on the thing. And they were like, from now on, take get that taken down. Like we don't want people to like see on because <laughs> no one wanted to listen to us. And we got to Manchester and then like people were tweeting now going, what's the opening act? Like they're playing really well. He came out because he'd always come out and like take us from behind the deck so everyone would go nuts when he walks out yeah. and we'd walk to the front and like say thanks to everyone and then leave and then he he kept going to me you guys are fucking sick everyone keeps uh, tweeting me saying how guys how sick the warm act guys are and he was tweeting everyone back like with our ads at twitter and i was That's like so this is good. 
like five percent of the room are dancing the rest of the staring at us <laughs> and he's like you guys are amazing i was like yes let's go oh mate that's an absolute win yeah oh, it was that must have been an amazing experience yeah just to see that level of sort of like production and that side of of like performing yeah. in a way yeah it's sort of like set you up for playing like big festivals because these these were arenas like yeah. these were sold out arenas like up and down like the uk mm. but then when you go and play like splash house or so, so somewhere like a big stage or like park life on the plate there was like yeah. ten thousand people there i was like right don't stress because you've been you've done the hardest Got one it. whereas you're playing house music in a sold out arena and no one wanted to listen to house music so a bunch of old people that have never heard house music <laughs> and they were just like i just thought to myself like you've done the hardest one that you yeah. can do yeah like anything else out from here is going to be a breeze and you got through that fine and you didn't get you didn't <laughs> die you didn't yeah, die yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah that was that was that was a strange strange experience man fun though a lot of fun yeah i bet i bet i don't man. know just hands down the nicest person ever as well yeah i've never met him but he always seems super Mate, nice so sound yeah he'd always come early to the shows like meet people and stuff and it's awesome. always be oh proper proper good guy man you just don't like especially that there's no excuse to be sh- a shitty person there's zero excuse no. and when you're when you're that level of in your career and in life like you've seen everything you've seen people yeah. come you've seen people go you've done yeah. everything in the world like you must have learned so much wise ways and to then t- come out to be a dickhead it's, it's just not worth <laughs> like it's just failure in life right it's just not worth it no well, i hear you man mate we've just done an hour and 50 minutes um oh really yeah Shit. could keep going but i've got another Very podcast good. in half an hour um are we gonna get told off for 30 percent of the stuff i've said on this <laughs> so it's, what it is. it's fine don't worry it doesn't matter it's the truth um thank you so much for coming on man i've been wanting to do this I for know. a while and it's just yeah. it's just great that I hit you up and you could do it so quickly. Yeah, so man. I really Good appreciate it. I'll probably see you on the road sometime over the next Definitely. sort of like six months. We always bump into each other. Definitely, man. Have a great Christmas. Hope the uh, whole baby thing goes well. Let us know My how guy. it goes. Um, yeah. And yeah. how can people follow you on social media and all of that? Just at Bontan Beats, Instagram, at Bontan UK, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, that's it. Sick. Mate, thank you so much. Keep safe and I will see you hey, soon. Love you. Peace. Take love you, dude. Bye. Bye. Yeah. And that is a wrap. Big love to Bontan for coming on. I loved it. Please hit subscribe. Please review us and keep safe. And I'll see you next time.